Okay, if you remember what we considered in our last two sessions about the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, just a quick revision. In the Old Covenant, they did not know God as Father. We know Him as Father. And that's something we must know as a reality every day. Not just a theory that we, you know, know in a textbook. And the second thing is, in the Old Covenant, Satan was not defeated. So any Christian who lives in fear of the devil is living in the Old Covenant. He doesn't believe that Satan's been defeated. Anyone who feels that Satan can have some power over him, it could either be that that person has yielded some area of his life to the devil, or he doesn't know that the devil's defeated. We need to teach our children, right from a very young age, Satan was defeated on the cross, he's got no power over them, absolutely none. It's got nothing to do with age or experience or knowledge. I mean, if an enemy is defeated, it's defeated. It's got nothing to do with you. But if you don't believe it, it doesn't work. And that's how it is with a lot of promises in Scripture. The Lord can do many things for us, but it will not work if we don't believe. It says in the Bible in one place that He could not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Uh, and the second thing we considered in the second study was that in the New Covenant, we are to look into the Bible to see the glory of Jesus, not verses and texts and doctrines. So any Christian who's still studying texts and doctrines and all that in Scripture haven't, hasn't really understood what God gave us the Bible for. Or anybody who's studying the Bible to prepare sermons hasn't, hasn't understood what the Bible was given for. I believe lots and lots of Christians, good Christians, are living in the Old Covenant just by on that, in this one area. They don't see the glory of Jesus when they read the Scriptures. I mean, you ask yourself... When was the last time you saw something of Jesus in the scriptures or you saw a doctrine? And the other thing is that the Holy Spirit shows us the glory of Jesus in order to conform us to that image, not to taunt us saying, you're not like that. And then I don't want to see the glory of Jesus if it's just going to make me feel miserable. But the wonderful thing is he makes us like him. So <clears throat> today we want to consider the subject of the blood of Christ and justification, which is very, very important to understand. Uh, in Hebrews in chapter 9, there's a contrast drawn between the blood of bulls and goats, Hebrews 9, verse 13 and 14. In the Old Covenant, it says, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled could sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? You cannot serve the living God if you have not understood what the blood of Christ can do for your conscience. It's very clear in that verse. Nobody could have this clear conscience in the Old Covenant. And Christians who are living without a clear conscience, I want to say to you in Jesus' name, you are living under the old covenant, whether you know it or not. And that's why your life is so miserable, that's why you're so defeated, because you haven't come to see what the blood of Christ can do for you. You're actually living, as it were, the blood of bulls and goats did something for you. The very first time the word new covenant was used in the New Testament is when Jesus used it at the Last Supper. You see in Luke 22 and verse 20, 
This is the first time the word new covenant is used. And Jesus said in Luke 22 verse 20, after he had, they had eaten, he took the cup, Luke 22 20, and he said, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So Jesus was the one who used that phrase. And any word that Jesus uses, if I don't try to understand it, I don't take his word seriously. When he says, this is the new covenant in my blood, I need to understand, what is this new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ? Is it just something I sing about? Or has it got something to do in my life, in which if I don't know, I'll miss out on some part of the new covenant? And if you turn to Hebrews in chapter 13, you find there in Hebrews 13 that verse 20 the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep that is Jesus Christ how did he bring him up from the dead through the blood of the eternal covenant have you ever thought of that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is connected with the blood of the eternal covenant. That means the blood that Jesus shed on the cross when he died, and the soldier pierced his side on the last drop of his blood, oozed out of his body. There was no blood left in his body when he was taken down from the cross, because some of it dripped through his hands and legs, and the rest was all came out when his side was pierced. And that's why if you read carefully, when he appeared to the disciples after the resurrection, he said to them, see, I'm not a spirit, because a spirit does not have flesh and bones, not blood. Luke 24, a spirit does not have flesh and bones like you see me have. There was not a drop of blood in the resurrected body of Jesus. There will not be a drop of blood in our resurrected body when we are resurrected. There's something very important in the fact that the, all the blood of Jesus, when he died on the cross, drained out from his body. And that was not only as an atonement for our sins, not only to turn away the wrath of God, not a way to satisfy God that the punishment for man's sin was taken completely, but also as that which God accepted as therefore I can now redeem man man can stand before me as if not only as if he had never sinned which itself would have been a great thing but as if he has been totally righteous from day one of his life so that is the power of the blood of Christ in the old covenant in Leviticus in chapter 17 you know where the law is given, the Lord said to the Israelites in Leviticus 17 and verse 11, here's why the blood is important. The life of the flesh in animals or in human beings is in the blood. You see, you can cut off a man's flesh and bones and he can still live. But you drain out his blood, he cannot live even if all the members of his body are there. You know that very well. The life of the flesh is not in the hands or the legs or the eyes or the, any part of the body. It is in the blood. And therefore, I have given it on the altar as an atonement for your souls. It's life 
that has to be given because of man's sin and because the life of the flesh. Therefore, I said to the sons of Israel, none of you must eat blood. When you, that's why they were forbidden from eating blood, the blood of animals when they ate animals. So all that is a background. And when you come to Romans, we read about justification. And we read in Romans 5 verse 9 that we are justified by his blood. Romans 5 verse 9. We know that we are forgiven because the blood of Christ was shed for us, but justified is a bigger word than that. And it's very important for us to know justified is related to righteous, declared righteous. Not declared without sin. Just, just is the word, same word as righteous. Just. The just shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. Justified means declared righteous. So even though I have committed so many sins in my life, the blood of Christ not only blots it all out and forgives me completely and looks at me as if I never sinned, but it declares me as I've, I've lived in righteousness from day one. See, just the fact that I did not sin, that just clears out the record and leaves it blank. But righteousness fills it up. Christ is my righteousness, it says. So I don't stand before God just because my sins are forgiven and because all my sins are blotted out. I stand before God because Christ has become my righteousness. The blood of Christ has declared me righteous. Very important to understand that. And that is why we can come with boldness. I believe there are many, many Christians who lack this boldness when they come before the Lord. They're always wondering, is God angry with me? Has He accepted me? I made so many mistakes in my life. Well, it's all because you haven't understood justification. And I don't think the devil ever wants you to understand it fully because he always wants you to live with a little hesitation. He doesn't mind you're coming once in a while, but with great boldness, no, no, no. Don't ever dare to be like that. But a true Christian who's understood justification comes before God with great boldness, not because he's arrogant or proud, but because he's kept his conscience clear. We read in Hebrews chapter 9, the verse that we read, how much more shall the blood of Christ cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? I cannot serve the living God if my conscience is not clear. Don't ever think that God will accept your service if there's one thing which is still on your conscience unsettled. There are multitudes of born-again believers, who at least who think they are born again, who got so many unsettled things in their life. They haven't forgiven somebody, they haven't asked somebody's forgiveness, and they think they can serve God. They are fooling themselves. You cannot serve the living God if your conscience is not completely cleansed. If you're not absolutely sure that the blood of Christ has dealt with your past and declared you righteous before God. If you're not convinced about that, all your service for God, you may be the greatest preacher in the world, you're wasting your time. It will not be acceptable before God, even if men are impressed. Whether it's a small service to the Sunday school or young people or any type of service, remember this, my dear brothers, your conscience must be clear to serve the living God. And that's why the Apostle Paul said in Acts chapter 24, Acts 24, I want to be in the resurrection of the righteous, he says in verse 15, not in the resurrection of the wicked. Therefore, what do I do? I do my best. There's something I have to do. It's not automatic. 
I do my best to keep my conscience 100% blameless before God and before men. You know, it's easier to confess a sin to God than it is to confess to men. I'm sure you've discovered that. To ask forgiveness from God when you lost your temper is easy, but to go and ask forgiveness from that person against whom you lost your temper, that's more difficult. That shows the tremendous pride we have. Pride that thinks that we can come before a holy God and confess sin and we can't come before an unholy person and ask forgiveness. It's a deception. You have not come before a holy God. You have come before yourself. You're like the Pharisee who prayed to himself, Oh God, forgive me. And you think you've come before God. The proof that you've come before a holy God is you're ready to go before an unholy man and ask forgiveness. So the next time you don't ask forgiveness from an unholy person whom you injured, don't imagine that God has forgiven you. He has not. So do your best to keep your conscience blameless before God and before men. And this is possible because the blood of Christ has been shed on the cross for us and it, we are declared righteous because of that. Now turn with me to 1 John. As I said, I'm not taking a Bible study. I'm just trying to stimulate you. All I do is give you some starters and uh, the main meal is for you to find out yourself from Scripture. All these 15-minute sessions will only be starters. 1 John chapter 1. Have you read this verse carefully? We know verse 9. If we confess our sins... God is faithful and righteous to forgive us all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's clear. But then it says in verse 7, if we walk in the light, as God is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Now how in the world are you having fellowship with God if there's still sin in your life? And yet it says there, the blood of Jesus will cleanse you only when you walk in the light. One of the most misquoted verses in scripture is, the blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all sin. No, it does not. If we walk in the light as God is in the light, then and then only does the blood of Jesus cleanse us from all sin. This is one of the most misquoted verses in scripture. The blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all sin. You see, Christians have a habit of getting rid of the condition and trying to claim the promise. And that's why it never works in their life. There is a condition to a promise. When does the blood of Jesus cleanse you? When you walk in the light. So if I'm walking in the light, that means I'm, I've confessed all known sin. That means my conscience is absolutely clear. Then what does the blood of Jesus have to cleanse me from? Unconscious sin, which is still there in my life, which can prevent me from coming before a holy God. So what he's saying there is, if you have kept your conscience clear, that means you walk in the light, completely in the light, as God has given you light, then the, then the Lord will take care of that unconscious sin in your life by cleansing it in the blood, because otherwise you can't stand before Him. So 1 John 1.7 is not talking about your conscious sin being cleansed. That is 1 John 1.9, which we confess. 1 John 1.7 is, having confessed it, you come to the light with a clear conscience, the blood of Jesus cleanses you from A-L-L, all sin. And that refers to all that unconscious sin in our life. That's why we can come with boldness. That because there are, you know, almost 90% of our life where we are not like Christ. We don't even know. And the Lord says, if you're honest about the area which you know, I will take care of the areas which you don't know. So please remember that. Now, the reason I say all this is because 
I want to take away from Satan's power over your life by taking away the boldness. I'll tell you, because in my own life, I lived in, without boldness to come before God. I was hesitant to come before God. Oh, I didn't read the Bible this morning, so I can't come before God. That's not the condition. The condition is not that you read the Bible in the morning. The condition is you have a clear conscience. You can read the Bible in the morning and without a clear conscience, you cannot come before God. For 1400 years, people didn't have a Bible. How could they read it in the morning? Bi printed Bibles came only five, 600 years ago. The main condition is clear conscience. More than anything else, you begin your day with a clear conscience, live your whole day with a clear conscience, and end your day with a clear conscience. That is how we live in the presence of God all the time. Because then I have boldness that not only the conscious sin which I've confessed, but the unconscious sin which I don't even know is cleansed in the blood of Christ and I come with boldness before God. Now that doesn't mean that I'm holy. Because as I walk in the light, it's not standing still in the light, it's walking. And every step I get walk in the light, I get more and more light on myself. On the areas of my life which I don't know. If I think of my flesh as a big black circle and I come into the light a little bit, gets cleansed, but there's a whole lot black in my unconscious area. But as I walk in that light, that black area gets reduced. The life of Christ comes in and the circle becomes more and more white, to use an illustration, till one day I will become completely like Christ. He who has this hope purifies himself as he is pure. This is the difference between justification and sanctification. May God help us to remember that. It's one of the great blessings of the new covenant to have boldness when we come before God. Amen.